Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Focus Otaku. This is going to be a bit of a special episode, our first special episode in fact, and it's also going to be the 11th take of this episode because my word trying not to rant about this has been quite the endeavor on my part, but uh, we're finally getting to it so hopefully you guys do enjoy it uh, for today. I hope the audio quality is a little bit better than last time. Uh, the past two episodes, I have been using my Blue Yeti Blackout, which I intended to use originally, just didn't know I could use it. So, you know, we're working around stuff as we can go. Um, but yeah, this episode is going to be my review for NakaCon 2019, uh, my impressions, my complaints, and my uh, happiness for it, really. It's a convention that starts off my convention year, so there's a lot that rides on it for me, personally speaking. Now, going into this too, uh, at the end of uh, the review, I'm also going to be talking about a few plans and a few updates that I have that will hopefully be featured on uh, the podcast in the near future, as well as our website, ogzphotography.weebly.com, still pending that domain name change because money is a thing. Uh, that we got to work with on that. But beyond that, uh, I also will be introducing a new kind of like paid segment sort of thing where what I do uh, is I promote and advertise people who uh, frankly have supported the channel uh, via, the, you know, be that through, sorry, uh, direct photo commissions or be that through, you know, just general donations to our official coffee page. I will try to give the latest uh, donators a shout out in some form or fashion. So. <clears throat> so without further ado, let's jump right into that. I just want to thank three people for making the podcast, the website, everything I do possible um, in no particular order. Those are Beatsalars, Fatal uh, Flare Cosplay, and Tokomana Cosplay. Thank you all so much. Uh, Beatsalars is a fantastic individual who is very passionate about the anime. He talks about reviews and collects. He is an individual who hosts his own anime nights, which are kind of like little mini special viewing parties, but with gifts and goodies at the end. Uh, so he's a pretty awesome dude. He bases that out of KC, I I think uh so i have to kind of get my information down on that one but uh i plan to go to one of his nights eventually and do a bit of a podcast there with him in the future maybe if that is at all possible uh he also does um uh, panels now uh i unfortunately lost some recorded footage due to a corruption incident uh back last year when he was at salsa Con. he also did a panel at this year's naka Con, which i didn't get to go to but from what i heard it was pretty well received and pretty well uh thought out so kudos to him on growing his audience base and all the support in the world that he gives us so thank you so much and to Fatal Flare and Tokomana Cosplay. These are both two excellent and amazing cosplayers uh, who deserve all the love and support in the world. Thank you so much for commissioning me, commissioning me if I can speak properly today, during NakaCon uh, 2019. That meant a lot to me, and it helps me grow my uh, photography career. It helps me grow and uh, breach into other aspects and, you know, fun stuff, really, you know, for the channel, be that, you know, live streams in the future or just future podcast episodes. So with that out of the way, let's dive right into NakaCon 2019. As I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast uh, segment, this is a convention that really kicks off the convention year for, for me. Sorry. And as such, it's a very special convention in that sense. Uh, it's not necessarily what defines my convention year, but I would say that, you know, for most people who go to conventions, the first one they go to is really what kind of dictates how they want the rest of the year to play out. Um... 
because it's all about bettering yourself and also maybe enjoying yourself more. Uh, particularly if you had a very bad experience at the first convention, you kind of hope that the rest of the year will either be an upward trend versus a downward trend because nobody wants to have a terrible convention year. They just feel awful and it kind of puts you out of ever really wanting to do conventions, which I feel none of us ever want to have that feeling. But frankly speaking, our wallets would thank us immensely for that. Now, um, I do have a few key points of criticism we'll be jumping in on and stuff that I feel that NakaCon should very, very much address and hopefully look to. I know they pay attention to at least, you know, my prior website, Otaku Gamer Zone, so hopefully they're still paying attention here. Um, I hope the criticism is helpful in a way. Um, again, I've tried to do this 11 times because every time I just got more ranty and ranty. Um, it's not because I was upset or angry. It's just because I love this convention. And there's other YouTubers out there that have brought up similar and if not identical points of, you know, of ingress that, you know, NakaCon is suffering from and that should desperately be addressed. So to start off with some positivity, uh, this year, I just want to say was a really good year. The amount of cosplayers, like the people that NakaCon attracts are usually, I would say, uh, 90% amazing, 90% awesome individuals. And it really shows the cosplays this year were every single one of them was so top notch. It, it honestly was that level of astonishing, um, in terms of just performance and gain, because I just, I just don't know how to explain it otherwise. Like it, it didn't feel like a normal everyday convention. Everybody this year brought their a game in terms of cosplay. And that is always great to see. And even the, like the individuals who were cosplaying for the first time or were working with like EVA foam for the first time, a lot of them had some really stellar cosplays. Now, don't get me wrong. There are the cosplays out there that are, unfortunately, you know, the ones that are just kind of like a last minute throw together. And, you know, there obviously isn't very much passion that was put behind it, which is kind of sad to see in a way. But, you know, you don't know their situation, so you can't really base any sort of criticism off of that. You know, some of them uh, legitimately maybe didn't have an option so they kind of just try to hobble together what they had scrap wise and that also is awesome to see because hell it takes a lot of you know courage and freaking stalwarts uh you know iron will to go to a convention with something that feels and looks like it wasn't really well done um but you know more power to those individuals more power to the people who actually you know do try their best and for a lot of people that was their very first attempt and that's still a good attempt it's it's a foot in the door and it's something i like to see at Nakaka. Nakacon is always that convention you see people trying stuff out for the very first time, and that means a lot to me. Uh, Nakacon was the reason why I got into photography. It's the reason why I got into blogging. So uh, there's a lot of firsts that can happen in Nakacon, and I think that's what the people that go there are uh, representative of. You know, you talk to these people, you get to learn about their stories, you get to learn about why they started cosplaying in the first place, and I think you don't really, I personally don't really get to see that much at other conventions outside of NakaCon, so... That's something they do continually well every year, and I wouldn't really say it's NakaCon's, you know, uh, preconceived agenda, you know, like they, you know, bribe, you know, up-and-coming cosplayers to come here, but I think it just attracts a nice certain crowd. Um, but on the subject of attracting crowds, it also tends to have an issue with, uh, I mean, every con has these issues, but NakaCon doesn't do too good of a job at policing them, and those are the cosplayers that are there just to trash, you know, around and you know trash on other cosplay groups um case in point there was a persona photo shoot that was happening out in the courtyard area and a few uh 
my hero cosplayers um, decided it would be funny to just go around and huddle around uh, an Akechi cosplayer from Persona 5 and just start harassing them and interrupting the shoot and being loud and noisy to the point that the photographer couldn't organize or couldn't coordinate uh the cosplayers because they couldn't hear and that is something that I feel is a big no-no and should never happen and if Nakakon staff was serious about their position they really would have done something to stop that because frankly speaking I think they should have staff members presence at all not presence present at all photo shoots uh, just to make sure people are being aware that you know this is a photo shoot zone so you're not allowed to goof off or do anything weird in this you know outside of the photo shoot um, you know realm of course but you know you're not going to be there to interfere with that you know there's people that are there working you know that are taking these photos it's you know time out of their uh convention experience so and that's something that i feel could you know use some work on uh, they definitely need to police those individuals who are there to just cause a ruckus and aren't there to contribute anything towards the convention experience other than just a crappy time for everybody involved so um but speaking of staff i mean leading right into another doozy thing staff this year um let me get back up a little bit every year at NakaCon, staff has kind of been this slowly increasing issue uh whether that be official staff members or the volunteer staff members a lot of them get the sense that because they're staff that means that they have supreme executive power to say and do as they please almost uh to the point where they are completely disgustingly rude to individuals and to cosplayers who are attending this i personally didn't have a bad experience this year uh the two years prior i had bad experience with an individual uh who was in the um uh, registration hall uh one year i was just trying to help a a friend who was extremely nervous and extremely shy um i just had to dip into the registration hall to see how busy it was because she gets claustrophobic about that she's right there by the entrance door i went back to go say hey you can come in and i got screamed at and yelled at because this chick didn't take the time to understand that I was trying to motion somebody into the door instead of having to walk all the way around. So, you know, for somebody that you're with that is very socially, you know, prone to anxiety in terms of big situations, that's a big no-no, and that's not very considerate of the people that are there. Thankfully, she wasn't present at NakaCon this year, so that is a very good sign indeed. Um, But this year, though, every single staff member felt like it was their supreme goal and objective to ruin every cosplayer's day. Um, Case in point, uh, I'll be giving a few examples. Um, One of my friends who, uh, and again, everybody's going to go unnamed. I will have uh, acronyms maybe to refer to them, or I'll just refer to them as my friends. Uh, One friend who was in a superheroine cosplay from a very popular uh, comic series, uh, showed up at the convention Saturday, um, and like most cosplayers, you know, you're busy getting stuff together, you're busy trying to make sure everything's working, and you forget your badge. It's something that happens. It shouldn't necessarily be a big deal. Um, you know, most people forget their badges. Some staff members have forgotten their badges. Um, you know, I can say I saw a lot of staff members that weren't wearing their darn badges this year, um, but, you know, she forgot it, so she had her friend go back to the hotel room since their friend was the one that could drive and, you know, went to go back and get her badge. And so she was just waiting in the entrance door area because it was a cold morning and the cosplay and like all cosplays, you know, they don't offer the best protection against the cold. So 
she was indoors and somebody stopped by and just wanted to take a picture of her and then out of nowhere like a screaming rocket comes a staff member who breaks up the person trying to take a picture and tells that person they cannot take a picture of this cosplayer because they do not have their badge to which point they then quipped around turned towards the cosplayer in question and began like a mini interrogation of why are they here without a badge why did they you know not go procure a badge and blah 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 and so the cosplayer replies, you know, calmly that, hey, I'm sorry, I forgot my badge. My friend's going back to the hotel room right now to go grab it for me. I'm just waiting inside here. To which then the staff member quips back very aggressively, well, I hope they hurry then. And honestly speaking, that is not something you want to have happen to uh, your attendees. If NakaCon takes this stuff seriously, which they say they do but evidently as the years have gone on the staff has only gotten worse so whether that is a lack of proper staff training sessions or just staff building exercises i'm not 100 percent sure since i don't work with the committee or know anyone on the committee specifically um i know their pr rep uh gentleman uh, is very open to listening to criticisms and such and he's a very awesome dude in that sense so i haven't really had issues with him and i know he takes the feedback you know, seriously, but for anybody else that's listening out there, I mean, that's something you need to address. You don't want your cosplayers to feel like they're being alienated or specifically targeted at an event because they might not have their badges visible. You don't really want to harass them on that end. Um, and that is going to be the overwhelming theme of this negativity that I have towards NakaCon this year is the simple fact that this year they were really gung-ho about making sure everybody had a badge, but they weren't wanting to properly invest resources into properly mitigating and controlling, you know, badge check areas. It's not that difficult to have certain ingress and outgress points to a convention center with maintaining fire code policy. Um all you need is like four, you know, two to five staff members at all entrance points and maybe exit points just to be sure that everyone's being checked on their badge. And then that way you don't have people running all over the convention haphazardly and disorganized, mind you, you know, stopping cosplayers and getting increasingly aggressive with them. That's not an experience you want to give to your community. And my other example outside of the, uh, you know, cosplay thing was that another cosplayer because this year NakaCon has tried to also really PGify their cosplay rules, which, again, this is an anime convention, so that's a little bit redundant in a way. I mean, I understand if you're trying to keep up with state laws and regulations, but bear in mind, you are hosting an anime convention. A lot of the characters don't have really concealing outfits. Um, so, you know, you kind of got to work around that. But one very popular and very large... Uh, Missouri cosplayer was attending NakaCon for their very first time and she had an outfit. Um, it was a one piece thing with a kind of small skirt and a, a bikini style bottom to it. And it wasn't showing off anything when she was standing, but you know, it is one piece and it is a thicker material. So if she does have to sit down, she doesn't have to properly adjust it, you know, like most skirts and outfits and such to which she did. She wasn't flashing anybody. She was sitting properly, but a staff member felt it was their prerogative to go over to them when they, when they personally saw her adjust her skirt and walk up to them and say, that is inviting sexual harassment and that is considered public nudity. You have to leave the convention right now and go change your outfit. Um, to which point, again, either somebody is just very power hungry or NakaCon isn't properly venting their staff, uh, vetting, not venting, uh, vetting their staff and going through proper procedures to ensure that these individuals aren't being overly aggressive or overly harassing because 
just simply adjusting an outfit, that to me is not inviting sexual harassment, nor is that inviting public nudity in any sense of the form. It's simply they're adjusting their cosplay so they can sit more comfortably without sitting uncomfortably. I mean, it's not rocket science to understand that, but um, that person, though, was continually harassed the rest of the day until they finally went home, changed into a Kigu, came back, and then absolute, And then I spoke with them, and they told me that this was going to be the only day that they're going to come to NakaCon for the rest of the weekend. And that's pretty sad, because this was their first experience at NakaCon, and it's now their last experience at NakaCon. So, staff... Again, Nakahan, if you're listening, please just, it's not that hard to vest in some sort of vetting process to make sure that staff is properly trained, properly um, engaged with how to interact with individuals. I mean, I'm sure most of these staff probably had retail jobs in one form or the other, so they know how to act out in public, or at least should. Um, to me, that's not the type of experience you want to be translating down to the cosplayers or to the attendees or just people that are passively observing this, especially on the batch check. When your staff is being very selective on who they're targeting, especially when you stop two cosplayers and only talk to one when the other one's badge is even worsely not visible, um, which was another situation that happened, you know, it, it, it's redundant to me. And, and that's not inviting of a very fun convention experience for anyone at all. You know, if you're really concerned about that, just establish key checkpoints, establish key areas where cosplayers outside of the registration hall can quickly go and get their props piece tagged because that was an issue this year. People also getting harassed because they didn't have stuff piece tagged, even though they were on their way to the registration hall. You know, you could have tables set up at either side of the convention centers outside of the registration hall that are quick access points for getting their weapons piece tagged. Or again, for batch checking, you can have controlled exits and controlled entrance points and have people that are just doing an initial batch check right there. It's, again, not that difficult. Sure, you might have to have some people wait outside in the cold for a little bit, but frankly speaking, is that a small price to pay than, you know, just having to extend, you know, your reach and have a bunch of staff members running around that are discoordinated and unorganized? I mean, it doesn't make much sense in that scale, and that's something that NakaCon can very much improve. And honestly, like I've said, it's been on the downward spiral for about the past three years now, and I hope that 2020 is a convention year that will actually see NakaCon staff very much improve. But beyond that initial point of criticism, NakaCon is still a solid experience this year. The vendor hall, I would feel, was also much more better organized. Uh, whether that meant that there weren't that many um, vendors or artists that applied to Artist Alley this year, the space that they utilized this year was a lot more um, organized in a sense. The walkways were a lot bigger. They allowed for a lot more traffic flow, and I never hit a point where I felt I was overly uh you know, condensed into this claustrophobic zone. There are still those key kind of choke points around the bigger vendors that most people will stop at, but it wasn't entirely unnavigable. Um, you were able to get through the vendor hall efficiently and quickly, and that is something that's very important. Um, another thing I noticed they did too for the eating area, they actually expanded that area a lot more. They ate into the registration hall side of things, which I felt was a kind of nice balance between the two. 
But, you know, I would argue that's a small price to pay when you actually have a lot more accommodating seating. So you can actually have people, you know, getting lunch at the convention center. And another YouTuber also mentioned, too, was that the pricing for this year seemed a little bit lower in the food court. I can't say that for sure, since I purchased the special gloomy bear feeding ticket meal. So that was a little bit more pricey. But um, I will take their word on that and, you know, say the food was a lot more price friendly this year. Cause I will say the, uh, cafeteria area was definitely packed this year. Um, though to say that there are other food stations outside of the, uh, vendor hall weren't fairly priced. I think their pho pricing has gone up quite a bit. Uh, $9 is an awful lot to pay for a very small portion serving. Um, but you know, I'm not the kind of committee staff there in terms of that. I don't know if that's a Nakacon decision or if that's an OPCC decision on what they're going to have and how they're going to vendor it out. But, you know, that's just my only stalwart complaint, though. But I will say, though, the Cyber Cafe is a good place to get some coffee if you're at Nakacon. I absolutely love the Aerotissier coffee there. Ooh, so good. But um, but back to the vendor hall thing. I mean, it is much. it was much more improved this year. I felt like the flow and uh, mitigation of congestion points was very well done on Nakacon's part, which is always great and wonderful to see. Um, and really, that's going to stem, you know, from hopefully just taking positive feedback and kind of understanding how to better work their space. An issue, though, that Nakacon still has, though, is panel size allocation. Some panels got a lot bigger rooms um, than other panels that were going out at the same time that had overflow issues. So I would probably take a look at that, you know, policy and try to assign the bigger rooms to the more popular subtopics. I mean, if you have, for example, My Hero Academia Trivia, or if you have a, a Persona panel or a One Piece panel, you know, stuff that's like you know, key words, you know, stuff that is obviously very popular in the community. You want to try to allocate those people, uh, very large rooms, I would argue in a sense. I know the ball, uh, jointed doll community, which I'm also a part of had a uh, swap meet that was in a very large room and, uh, they were using one table in that entire room. So that could have been allocated to a much smaller space and that would have allowed another panel to go into, um, that larger room and make better use of the space. But again, I'm not an expert in this regard since I don't work on the community staff, but this is just a passive ob- observation of mine from the convention this year. Uh, I didn't really get to attend a lot of panels, which is a sad, unfortunate experience. I was a lot more focused on the photography side of things this year with cosplayers. Uh, but I did have another individual who was there with me as press that was going to panels for me. And from what their feedback was, um, a lot of the panel content this year that was approved was a lot better than last year's, which is always a great thing to see. Um, you never want to go to convention and have half the panels you go to be very subpar and you know, uninteresting, because uh, I would argue that's another heavy factor of the convention experience. But to be entirely honest, I think out of the five years I've been going to NakaCon, I've only had one panel experience that I felt was very dry and not engaging whatsoever, which I hon- honestly believe that NakaCon does a very good job at vetting the panels and, you know, seeing what they have in terms of uh, variation and variety at the convention. Uh, another awesome thing that NakaCon did this year was they opened up so much more to the Lolita community this year. There were so many amazing coordinates at NakaCon this year. Uh, there always are Lolita individuals that go to conventions. Um, it's not the primary focus, but 
you know, this year, though, they actually had a very amazing guest, and that was Metamorphose, which is a very, very large and very popular Lolita brand outside of Japan, if not the original Lolita brand. Um, I could be very wrong. My Lolita knowledge is not the greatest, but I do enjoy the Lolita fashion set, and I'm actually getting engaged in the community uh, as well. So it was very nice to see that present at NakaCon, and I know that was also a big push by one of my friends and individuals who was working behind the scenes there. So she did a very awesome job getting that all organized, and I just want to thank NakaCon for, you know, letting her push for that uh, because it is a good community to have engaged with you all, and I felt that that was a very fun point of interest. I really wish I could have went to the Lolita fashion show that they had there with Metamorphose showing off their Grand Blue fantasy sets. Um, uh, coordinates, sorry, not sets. Um, that would have been fun and interesting to see, but it was awesome to see a lot of my local friends actually getting to be models in that, and that was awesome. So uh, hopefully NakaCon continues to improve on that end. I would love to see more Lolita focus next year as well. Uh, and hopefully I'll be able to actually attend something of that. But really, that's all I have in terms of, you know, new newness to that. Um, one thing I would love to see improved, um, especially on the photography side stuff, is maybe have, again, staff members that are helping oversee photo shoots that are there to just help police individuals. Maybe they have... Um, areas that are marked off uh, for designated photo shoot points. One thing that I did like that they started doing in the vendor hall this year was in the um, eating area for whatever reason, but they actually had a NakaCon like backsplash that you could take pictures at, and they also had a, a tea room that was set up uh, in the actual vendor hall that you could take pictures in. And I think that is a brilliant idea. I would honestly, as a photographer, love to see more stuff like that. I know other larger conventions like ASIN and Anime Expo actually have sets that are uh, available for people to just use at any point in time. Um, so, you know, they might be subway sets or they might be kind of like, you know, outdoorsy kind of by your house sets. I think that's very interesting to have and is very fun to work with. Uh, I don't know what kind of budget expense goes into that, but I would honestly knock a con love to see if you guys were able to do that. Um, I don't know how you would place them or where you would place them to offer, you know, the best accessibility for it all. But I feel like that would be very fun to have um, in the space if you can work it. Um, I know some YouTubers talked about dead space in the convention. Um, I personally don't think there was much in the way of dead space at the center. Everywhere had at least a nice moderate amount of use, uh, especially the courtyard areas, the Sheraton areas, is, and the uh, regular Overland Park Convention Center area, I felt had a nice offering of space, uh, of allocation. Uh, some of the game rooms... Um, especially the ones with like the uh, pachinko machines and the older arcade machines. That did feel a little sparse. Um, they might be able to condense some of the game rooms down and maybe cut in half because um, they have one entire room just dedicated to game tournaments, uh, which is understandable. I just feel you could better space together stuff and probably condense it into one room because that would then open up another room in the main area for everyone to use which again would be very awesome indeed. Uh, and, you know, would just require less walking between events. I know the hotel that I stayed in this year, the courtyard was the hosting spot for the maid cafe uh, sessions, which I believe is where it's usually always held. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is an option I would also love to see uh, expanded upon. Um, you know, less having to rely on other hotels and just more of just the main convention center. But again, I understand that that's not entirely feasible because uh, you do have to make use of space for other uh, areas. But 
Um, oh, and other additions that were nice this year, too, were uh, the addition of a quiet room, which was something that has been requested. I know I've briefly talked about it in the past, but it's very nice to see that actually being implemented. And quiet rooms, for those who don't know, or as the namesake provides, it's a quiet room. So there's no eating, drinking, noisy stuff. It's just a place for overwhelmed individuals to just go sit down, detox, you know, just sit there for a bit in absolute silence and then get up and leave and go back and engage with the convention. Because to be fair, conventions are very stimulating and can be overly stimulating for some. I know I usually had a headache issue whenever I went to conventions. I haven't so far the past two years, which is a very good sign, hopefully. But I know for some, uh, the just convention experience can be claustrophobic at times and having a space that you can kind of retreat to is a very nice touch indeed um and then they also had uh screenings as well for certain anime in uh the smaller rooms which is a nice touch as well if you just want to kind of sit back and you know watch you know some anime with friends at a convention center it's always a fun experience in my opinion so and really that's kind of it um stuff that i feel just isn't really impressive to me at NakaCon are rave parties i honestly can't stand raves i think they're stupid and annoying that's just me i know a lot of my friends are gonna be like you know trashing on me for saying that but i personally just think it's a waste of space that is there um you could do a lot more with that space than just a simple dance party um because frankly speaking it's a tried and true thing that every convention does and just because one convention does it doesn't mean another one needs to really do it um i mean i understand a lot of cosplayers and a lot of people take interest in those events um but i don't know i just feel like you're wasting concert hall space for other stuff that's more interesting um frankly speaking but hey that's just me uh, but really, yeah, that's all I have there. I would love to honestly to see more engagement on the photography side, more um, offerings of set pieces and just better, uh, more controlled organization of photo shoots, just so that way there's not an issue of people just being harassing and, you know, you know, going into these other photo shoots that they're not a part of and just kind of causing chaos and disorganization because it's not a fun experience. Trust me on that side. So but that's all I have for NakaCon. Overall, I would say it was a good experience, but due to the negativity of the staff, it's hard for me to say it was a very good convention this year. Um, staff is just something that needs to be changed and very much addressed. Another key point I would address is NakaCon's tough time with communication. Um, this year, it wasn't till like three or two weeks out that they announced that press would have to pay for their own badges. And I feel that is something that is very, very important to announce sooner rather than later because a lot of press outlets will have plans already set in stone and funds allocated and then to get drop of the bombshell notification that they have to pay for badges at the last moment is not something that's very fun and you're going to tick off a lot of people. I know I had a few press colleagues who were very upset and some couldn't even go to NakaCon because of that last minute announcement. So if you are making changes to like press and stuff, and especially for people like myself who have been there to do that, you know, address that, you know, at the beginning, address that as soon as possible. So then we can actually just get a badge at the lower tier pricing, um, you know, without you having to give us a last minute discount to kind of make up for that. Uh, just let us know like, Hey, there's a change in press this year. You might want to get a badge this time. 
Um, so that's something that I would take into consideration and just overall better voicing of rules and policy changes. Um, instead of doing one post about it, have the social media team just engage, you know, over every few weeks, just, you know, to set reminders, you know, talk about key points, offer examples and so on. So that way you don't have an issue of staff having to police everybody at the convention. If you offer a more vocal communicated experience, you're going to have a much better time dealing with issues and addressing issues that are popping up at a convention center. So that's it for my Nakacon uh, coverage uh, review type of thing. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that little bit of a ranty ramble. It is a lot less ranty than last than the last 10 times. I can tell you that much. Boy, I was fuming and angry still. Um, and it's just because I care for Nakacon. I mean, I guess, you know, as they say, you really get kind of angry and, you know, you just kind of get obsessed about something that you love and adore because you don't want to see it, you know, gone. You don't want to see it, you know, tattered or ruined. So I guess that's a, you know, thing to consider, but, um, so yeah, that's all I have so far for Nakacon 2019 and to address a few updates and changes that are coming. Um, I'm going to try to get back up to doing streams again. I still have an Elgato that I haven't sold. So I figured since I haven't sold it, I might as well just try to make use of it. Um, I'm going to try to do game streams, um, maybe once a month. I just don't know for sure. Um, I'm not the best when it comes to streaming and I don't usually have a lot to say. Uh, I don't know what I would stream to be fully honest. Um, I don't do anything online or competitive and the games I have for Nintendo Switch are kind of limited in scope. I might just, you know, do like Minecraft chill sessions where I'm just, you know, building stuff in Minecraft and talking with you all and doing some engagement or I might do some playthroughs. Um, you know, I have Civilization, I have to finish Bayonetta 2 still, I have Super Smash Brothers, so I might do some stuff of that, just some shenanigans with Amiibos and such. Uh, but, you know, that's an option as well. It's always on the plate and the table. Um, but that's something I might uh, kind of get into more. I'm also trying to be more engaging with my blog. Uh, I'm getting back into a normal blogging routine, trying to blog more, have topic posts and such that are interesting on my website so that way you guys have something to read and engage with and the podcast as well is something that's here um i trust me i will have my guest episodes coming up pretty soon it's just hard to work you know around schedule since all of us are working and you know having to con crunch and work on cosplays so it's always a dance of you know whether or not we have the time to implement this episode or not um, this isn't really a true episode three. I'm treating this as a special episode for the podcast that you all can enjoy. Uh, any review that I do on a podcast is generally, is just generally, sorry, going to be a review, um, special or just a special podcast episode that you guys can all enjoy. And as of right now, you know, air quotations, I should be available on every major streaming platform. I actually just got my Spotify approval for Focus Otaku. So for those of you that like to use Spotify, I'm available there as well, as well as Apple Podcast and Google Podcast, which I would say are the other two big ones out there. Um, I'm not sure how many of you use Stitcher or anything else, but that's always an option as well. So you guys can enjoy the podcast at your leisure. I personally um, use Google Podcast and Spotify since I do have an Android device. That's where my main thing is. Um, don't know how well the podcast uh, works for Apple Podcasts, so but I would argue it's the same experience overall. So you guys can enjoy the podcast there, and hopefully everything just uploads normally and naturally now that I'm approved for all the major platforms. And just as a heads up, 
you know, I will also always advertise my coffee as a way to donate and support the actual channel uh, in terms of podcasts. I also advertise it on my website. Uh, honestly, every donation helps no matter how big or small it is. I put that money back into doing the stuff that I love to do for you all, whether that be just talking about random stuff or photography equipment or helping to pay for website maintenance and upkeep or just stuff for review. So it's very helpful and helps me keep on uh, chugging out some interesting topics for you all to enjoy and as always thank you all so much for you know supporting what I do in terms of just friends you know sharing and listening it means the world to me that you guys are doing this and I will promise to improve and perfect this as I go along I really just want to be able to offer something that's enjoyable but also entertaining and slightly informative in some form or fashion. So as always, this has been Casas with Focus Otaku. Thank you so much for coming out and listening to this, and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night. Have a good one.